All right, church, good morning. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning as we jump into hot summer sermons. Week four, and I'm going to be honest with you, I prayed a lot about this sermon this week. I thought, Lord, should I wear my full body armor? Since we're going to be talking about money, and, he, and I think the Lord said, hey, Brother Donnie, you're going, to, you're going to have this figured out, brother, right where you need it to be. But I pray that you have your bulletin, your outline is in there as we work through God's Word together this morning. And so I want to challenge you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, have verses 9 through 10 marked, and then I want you to skip over to Hebrews chapter 13, and I've got one verse there that I also want you to to have marked Hebrews 13 verse 5 now brother Billy in the day band has got you all all fired up this morning amen and so we should be ready to receive the word now that we have worshiped and now that we have sang I'm gonna tell you when he gets up here and starts swinging fist I'm like Lord I'm gonna fall down or something I don't know but uh, he does a great job the whole the whole day family amen and we're very thankful to have them. And so the music was awesome this morning. The Spirit of God is already moving among us. Amen. And now's the time to hear the Word. And it's not just a time to hear the Word, but it's a time for the Word to, to let it penetrate our, our, our being. It's time to let the Word, let the Spirit tell us exactly what it is that God wants us to hear this morning. So the title of the sermon this morning is Flee from the Love of What? Flee from the love of money. This is one of those sermons that can kind of uh, step on our toes a little bit. This is kind of one of those sermons that uh, sometimes is a little bit challenging to teach, a little bit challenging to preach, but it is one of these sermons. You heard Austin talk about it just a little bit this morning to our children. They're not learning from the same scripture this morning, but they are talking about some of the same things that we're going to be talking about this morning. So what is it about money that continually makes people run after it? What is it about money that the majority of people, they just can't get enough of it? Now, we know that money pays the bills, amen? Money puts gas in the tank, money puts shoes on our feet, money puts clothes on our back, money pays the bills, the cable bill, the house bill, the car payment. Money helps our children do activities such as baseball and basketball and football and softball and soccer and tennis. Money is used to pay our medical expenses and it buys the medicines that we need. And all of us sitting in here this morning that are adults and parents know that we have to make money. We have to provide if we're going to survive in this life, right? But let me ask you this. What happens when we start to love money more than we love the Lord? Then what happens? What happens when money takes over our thought process and it is all that we can ponder on? What happens when making more and more money becomes the primary goal of our lives and we start to uh, cast other things off to the wayside so we can become richer and start to live with the slogan basically of this, the more I make, the happier I'll, I'll be. 
the more I make, the happier my spouse will be. The more I make, the happier my family will be. But what happens when our castle that's made with sand starts to crumble? What happens when we finally realize that money cannot buy us love that lasts? What happens when we look up and our families have been sacrificed because of our thirst for more? What happens when the love of money becomes our God? Bill Hybels, in the summer of 1989, he wrote a small piece on the deceased man known as Howard Hughes. Some of you may remember this businessman, movie producer, pilot, engineer, investor. All he ever really wanted in life was was more. He wanted more money, so he parlayed, inherited wealth into a billion-dollar pile of assets. He wanted more fame, so he broke into the Hollywood scene and soon became a filmmaker and a star. He wanted more sensual pleasure, so he paid handsome sums to indulge in his every sexual urge. He wanted more thrills. So he designed, built, and piloted the fastest aircraft in the world. He wanted more power, so he secretly dealt political favors so skillfully that two U.S. presidents became his pawns. All he ever wanted was more. He was absolutely convinced that the more that he had, the more satisfaction that he would have. And unfortunately, history shows us otherwise. He concluded his life emaciated colorless, with a sunken-in chest, fingernails that looked like corkscrews, rotting black teeth, tumors, and numeral needle marks from his drug addictions. Howard Hughes died believing the myth of more. So what does the Bible say about loving money? And how can the love of money affect the life of a Christian? Well, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and then we'll jump over to Hebrews 13, 5. Here's what the young Timothy, he said, But those who get rich, they fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Listen to this. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith, and they have pierced themselves with many griefs. And then look at Hebrews 13, 5. The Bible says, make sure that your character is free from the love of what? From the love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you. Nor will I ever what? Forsake you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the music this morning. God, we've had a great time of worship. Thank you for letting us be in your house today. And Father God, Lord, now as the time of the sermon comes, Father, I pray that you will open our hearts, you will open our ears, and Father, that we will just absorb what it is that you want us to know today. And Father, I realize in our culture today, money and wealth and prosperity is held at such a high regard. And most of us spend our whole lives chasing after the next dollar. But Father, I pray this morning that each and every one of us would ask ourselves this morning, who do we love? Where is our treasure at? 
Father, have we been engulfed with the pursuit of loving money? Something that is going to rust, something that is going to decay, something that we cannot take with us. Or, Father, are we running after you? Are we running after the lost? So, Father God, I pray this morning you would impress on each and every heart. Speak to all of us, Lord, in your way. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said. Now, I want us to listen to the words written by Sam Polk for the New York Times in 2004. And this was entitled, now, stay with me, this was in the New York Times of all places. The title was For the Love of Money. Listen to this little tidbit. Wealth addiction was described by the late sociologist and playwright Philip Slater in a 1980 book. But addiction researchers have paid the concept little attention. Like alcoholics driving drunk, wealth addiction imperils everyone. Wealth addicts are, more than anybody, specifically responsible for the ever-widening rift that is tearing apart our once great economy. Listen to these words, not mine. Wealth addicts are responsible for the vast and toxic disparity between the rich and the poor and the annihilation of the middle class. Only a wealth addict would feel justified in receiving $14 million in compensation including an $8.5 million bonus, as a well-known fast-food CEO did in 2012, while his company then published a brochure for its workforce on how to survive on their low wages. Only a wealth addict would earn hundreds of millions as a head fund manager and then lobby to maintain a tax loophole that gave him a lower tax rate than his secretary. When it comes to loving money, mankind will lie. When it comes to loving money, mankind will cheat. We will steal. We will gamble. We will sacrifice others and even murder. The love of money in many minds, it brings freedom. It brings power. It brings status. And the more we have, the happier we will what? Be. The more we have, the happier our families will be. The more we have, the better we will feel about ourselves. So, Pastor, are you telling me not to work? No. The Bible says, man don't work shall not eat. That's not what the preacher's telling you. Pastor, are you telling me it's wrong to have nice things? No. Pastor, are you telling me it's wrong to have a good salary and want to do better for myself? No. But what I am telling you is this. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus told his disciples this. No one can serve two what? Masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and Wealth, which leads to point number one this morning as Paul warned young Timothy in your sermon outline. The love of money plunges individuals into a what? Into a pitfall. I want everybody to write it down in your sermon outline this morning. That way you know it. It ain't just your neighbor, but you know it yourself. The love of money plunges individuals into a pitfall. 
Now I want you to look at what Paul says first. He says this, but those who want to get rich. So Paul points out to Timothy, the people who desire is to get rich, which means it's their willingness. It means it's their purpose. So Paul says these people, they fall into a progression of pitfalls, and it starts with this in your first asterisk, temptation. Temptation. The love of money and desiring to get rich means that we are coveting the wrong things. The word temptation in the Greek, it means to be enticed to sin. If we remember this, this is what the devil tried to do to Christ after Christ's baptism, after his 40 days of fasting. The devil tried to tempt Jesus with what? He tried to tempt him with splendor. He tried to tempt him with wealth. He tried to tempt him with kingdoms. He tried to tempt him with authority. But Jesus resisted the devil and he said this, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the second pitfall is your second asterisk is this. It's a trap. It's a trap. I think Austin just talked about this with the monkeys, did he not? Tight-fisted. It's a trap. The question, what kind of trap do people fall into when their desire is to get rich or when they fall in love with money? Well, I would say that the trap typically deals with materialism and it typically deals with power. When the devil was tempting Jesus with splendor and wealth and kingdom and authority, there was also a trap that followed the temptation. And the devil said this. He said, I'll give you all these things. But here's the trap. If you what? Worship me. Satan looked at Jesus. He said, I'll give you all of these things. But here's the trap door. You'll have to worship who? And it'll be all yours. Billy Graham once said, there's nothing wrong with men possessing riches. The wrong comes when riches possess man. I wonder how many people have sold their souls to the devil for the love of money. And notice what Paul says next. Foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin... And then your third asterisk is what? Destruction. The Apostle Paul had probably been around money his whole life. Paul was an educated man that possessed a great education. He possessed a vast amount of wisdom. Paul had seen what money could do to individuals who had it and those that desired it. In Philippians 4.12, Paul even said these words. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. But it doesn't take an apostle to remind us that when we go outside of God's will and God's desires and we start chasing the wrongful desires of this world, we fall into ruin. We fall into destruction. And the combination of these two words, ruin and destruction, suggests Paul is speaking of destruction for time and Paul is speaking of destruction for eternity, which Paul alludes to in the next verse. And this is point number two. Are you ready? The love of money can make the faithful go what? Astray. The love of money can make the faithful go astray. Now, how does the love of money entice believers to go astray? 
Paul says the love of money is the root for all kinds of what? For all kinds of evil. Using the Greek word for root, metaphorically speaking, it means the cause. It means the origin or the source. So Paul is basically saying that the love of money can be the source, the cause, the origin of some of your temptations, some of your traps, and many foolish and harmful desires that's plunging us into ruin and plunging us into destruction. Now church, listen, I think all of us know this. Money itself can do nothing. But the love of it can ruin the non-believer as well as the Christian. I want you to hear this article. We've all heard the saying, money is the root of all evil. But the scripture actually says that it is the love of money that is the issue. When we hear this saying, we think of bank robbers. We think of embezzlers. Shoplifters. We think of identity thieves. But the evil done because of money is so much more extensive than that. For many people, money comes first and people come last. Too many families fight and split over the inheritance of money. Too many couples divorce over money issues. Too many friendships end because of money borrowed and owed. It's about the depths of evil that people will stoop to take away, get a hold of, hold on to, and accumulate money, regardless of the damages it causes to others. Business, companies, corporations, and their owners give us the goods and the services in exchange for our money. And we know this is how things work. Most companies follow good business practice, but there are those businesses that make it very clear that their main objective is to make as much money as possible and to guarantee a constant flow of that money into their pockets. Now, why is it that products, now I want you to think about this today, why is it that products are made of cheaper materials and break down in a couple years? Why is it that foods we buy contain preservatives, chemicals, and toxins that have been proven to be addictive and slow ruin a person's health? Why is it that the insurance companies raise the rates on healthy people but deny coverage to the person who actually gets sick? Why are some persons fired from their jobs after 25 years of service right before they're ready to retire and to receive their pensions? Why are workers and all businesses being let go to be replaced by machines? Generally because there is money involved end of the article. As Paul continued to remind Timothy that the love of money would lure people away from the faith, it makes me wonder, now some of you all may agree with this, some of you may disagree with this, didn't this happen to Judas? Now think about this, Judas had followed Jesus for probably three years of his life. He had seen the miracles. He had seen the healings, heard the loving words of Jesus. He had seen lives changed by people placing their faith in Jesus. But Judas became infected with the need for greed, and he became maybe the most famous betrayer in history when he handed over Jesus for 30 silver coins. Judas was willing to hand over the Son of God because he saw an opportunity. 
to become rich. And because of his desire of wealth, the Bible reminds us that Jesus, Judas became emotionally unstable because of his sinfulness, and he took his own what? His own life. When the love of money becomes our God, wrongful desires plunge us into ruin and into destruction. When the love of money becomes our God, what kind of God are we even worshiping? For Judas, his money couldn't save. As a matter of fact, he threw it back at the religious feet. But the damage had been done. He fell into ruin and destruction and he betrayed and he walked out on the best thing that he ever had in his life. And that was Jesus. And what Judas thought would bring him contentment leads us to Hebrews 13.5. See, the author of Hebrews knew this. Number three. Paul says the love of money is the root of evil. Well, that's not it. Number three, the love of money can bring on discontentment. The love of money can bring on discontentment. Now, it seems the author of Hebrews knew the effects of loving money from the temptations the traps, the harmful desires, the ruin and destruction. And this is why the author says, make sure that your character or manner of life is free from the love of what? From the love of money. Now, you know, it doesn't take long for people to see who or what you are chasing in this life. It doesn't take people long. You can be around people two or three weeks, maybe a month, and you can see what it is, who it is that they are chasing after in this life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said this, For where your treasure is, your heart will be what? Your heart's going to be there as well. So it doesn't take too long to figure out where are we in this life. And I want you to listen to King Solomon the wisest man of the Old Testament, maybe forever, Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 11. Listen to what he said. I enlarged my works, I built houses for myself, I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, I planted them all kinds of fruit trees. I, I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had home-born slaves. Also, I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all the labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. Watch this. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted. And behold... All was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. He had it all, chased it all, consumed it all, and he said it was all done in what? It was all done in vain. And then the author of Hebrews knew this, number four. 
The love of money will lead us into what? False security. The author of Hebrews states, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever what? I will never forsake you. Now Paul had written Timothy these words because of many of the false doctrines and the worldly chatter being taught around Timothy in Ephesus, false doctrines that taught money brought contentment and great gain. But Paul told Timothy, you man of God, flee from all of these things and pursue God. Now you may be wondering this morning, how does this deal with our stewardship toward God? Well, I want to give you a few things. If we love money more than we love God, our giving will never measure up. Amen? Now stay with me. If we love the pursuit of money more than God, our spiritual relationships will suffer. If we love money more than we love God, then our hearts are set on things of this world. If we love money more than we love God, we'll never be content. If we love money more than we love God, then money will become our what? It will become our God. If we love money more than we love God, then the need to keep it will always be greater than the need to give it what? Away. When it comes to money, the Bible says that we should earn it which many people today have a huge issue with, but not me. Amen? The Bible says you should earn your living and earn your wage. We should honor God with our money. The Bible says we should use it wisely. And the Bible says that we should give it away cheerfully. Amen? But the Bible also warns of us becoming lovers of money. And so this morning, I want to ask you, has gold replaced your God? Has gold replaced your God? Are we pursuing the love of money instead of pursuing the love of God? Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've realized that the love of money has weakened your faith. Maybe you're here this morning and your relationship with Jesus needs strengthening and you're ready to rededicate your life back to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you've chased the love of money and you have found the empty pit that Paul says it is, but you're ready now to replace the love of money with a loving relationship with the Savior. Are we loving the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, or are we just loving the pursuit of money because it's become more important? Church, this is a hard sermon to digest because in the world that we live in today, the, the world says the more that you make, the happier you will what? You will be. But Paul told Timothy, he said, you man of God, he said, flee from these things. Do we have to have money to make the world go round? Absolutely. Do we have to have money to pay our bills? Absolutely. Do we have to have money to give it away to those that are in need, give it to the church? Absolutely. But my question is this. Hey, if you found yourself loving money and the love of money, more than you love your God? Has it become your lifelong passion 
And church, I'm going to just tell you this morning, I have seen people sacrifice their families for the love of one more dollar. I have seen marriages end because false promises were made. Well, you just don't make enough for me. I have seen the love of money and the pursuit of wealth bring destruction and ruin on many men and many women. My question is you today is this. Who do you love? Jesus said, I will provide for you. I will give you all that you want. I'll give you all that you need. This morning as our hearts are convicted, and I can tell it by the way that it's so quiet in here. Some of you are dealing with this very issue in your life. For some of you, you have been through these issues in your life. For some of you, you're right on the cusp of going through these issues in your life. I pray this morning that you would come and you would ask God, Lord, don't let me fall off. Help me to stay safe. Lord, I know that I have to have money to live. I have to have money to provide. But Father, don't, don't let me love it so much that I'm willing to sacrifice you. That I'm willing to sacrifice my church. That I'm willing to sacrifice anything that God wants in my life. This morning as Billy comes and we sing and we have this invitation, church, this is, your, this is your opportunity to come. This is your opportunity to pray. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself. Will you stand this morning?